from the Credit Union National Association. This is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Credit unions will celebrate June as Pride Month with their own collective voice of identity and representation. I'm Ron Jost, Senior Editor with CUNA News. CU Pride is the LGBTQ Association for Credit Unions. The organization provides a space where credit union LGBTQ colleagues and allies can come together for open discussion, education, engagement, and to celebrate their differences. But behind and even outside of the organization are individuals, each with their own story, including challenges and triumphs. In this podcast, three of those individuals share their stories with us. They include Richard Cooper, who is Executive Vice President and Chief Lending Officer at Santa Cruz Community Credit Union in California. Ari Farrell is Senior Specialty Deposit Group Analyst at Northwest Community Credit Union in Eugene, Oregon. Ari is passionate about learning and using their voice in advocacy, as well as creating safe spaces. Dan Marquez is a Conversion Strategist at Correlation, Inc., who performs as Madame Nymphedora, a development educator and drag entertainer. Dan is a founding member of CU Pride. As you'll learn in this podcast, Pride Month is about much more than parades and one month of recognition. Our guests share stories of courage, leadership, and optimism that can serve as inspiration to all of us throughout the year. Can each of you tell me about your roles at your credit union? Let's start with you, Ari. For sure. Uh, my role, my title is Senior Specialty Deposit Group Analyst at uh, Northwest Community Credit Union. I've been at Northwest, this is going on my eighth year. Uh, my role is to help um, underserved and higher risk businesses get banked. And I helped with the Paycheck Protection Program and I've built programs um, throughout my tenure here at Northwest as well. Sure. How about you, Dan? Yeah, so I actually don't work in a natural person's credit union. I work for a core provider called Correlation, and I do software implementation. So I signed up for all the big fun when credit unions decide that they want to integrate with a new core and convert from one system to a new one. So that's what I do on a day-to-day. And Richard? The old man in the credit union here. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm on my third post-retirement job and just getting ready to retire for hopefully the last time. Uh, Richard Cooper, I'm the uh, executive vice president and chief lending officer at Santa Cruz Community Credit Union. We're a CDFI, low income designated, Junto Samanzamos kind of credit union in Santa Cruz County in, in uh, Central California. Been very proud of a 40-some year credit union career that has generally been working with underserved groups and uh, working to bring folks to banking, to access to credit, that kind of thing. Um, I'm going to miss that a great deal. Wow, 40 some years, that is something to be proud of. And Ari, one of our priorities is to talk about CU Pride. And do you want to tell me about CU Pride, what it is and why it's so important to the credit union movement? So CU Pride is kind of more formally, it's a LGBTQ plus association for credit unions, for credit union professionals, and allies, including vendors, 
where we can all come together and provide opportunities for open discussion, um, education, engagement, and celebrating just the differences in who we are, especially as it relates to the, the intersectionality of the LGBTQ plus community within the credit union space. So how does Pride look to the credit unions as far as involvement and participation in Pride events? Yeah, I think that's completely credit union to credit union at the moment. Uh, I think there's a lot of spirit and a lot of drive for cohesion, especially through CU Pride. I think that's part of, I mean, Dan can maybe speak to this a little bit more, um, but the part of their mission and um, just to drive a little bit more inclusive action to what and we do every day in the credit union space. I think that right now it really is just credit union to credit union. Not everybody does it. In fact, I, I would I could wager a guess that less than less than 50% of credit unions in our industry even think about pride, even just on the fundamental like, hey, we have maybe some queer folks who work with us. Can we do anything for them? Um, that's my personal opinion um, and not an accurate and data analysis on that at all. But but it's I think it's an educated guess. Dan and Richard, do you have anything to add? Dan, you want to go ahead? Sure. Uh, you know, I can I can speak from the front of my many conversations with a few folks in the credit union space. Um, one that comes to mind specifically is Allegiance uh, Federal Credit Union down there in Oklahoma. I got to talking to their CEO a couple years ago and found what they do during Pride Month really inspiring that more folks could take a lesson from, I think. Um, I know that Amy Downs, their CEO, had shared with me that they had launched a couple years ago where they were picking LGBT nonprofits during the month of June where staff could participate in some sort of payroll deduction initiative during the month of Pride, make donation. One of them was Drag Queen Story Hour, which is a personal favorite of mine, having a drag persona myself um, and where that drag persona was born from. But really cool to see credit unions that are partaking in LGBT nonprofit initiatives. Uh, Most recently participated with the Credit Union Association in New Mexico that launched a statewide employee resource organization for LGBT employees specifically to help send a message that credit union employees, queer credit union employees are here to stay. We're here. We're queer. We want to be involved. We want representation. And that was a really positive initiative that was also doubled as a fundraising opportunity for uh, Casa Q, which is a nonprofit organization that helps folks that are displaced from their houses, youth trans youth, non-binary youth, and helps provide home and refuge and all the the credit union domino effect of development issues that we aim to tackle. So really cool opportunities for the credit union space. I was going to add just, um, you know, uh, we're a $200 million credit union um, serving a community of our county's probably a couple hundred thousand people. Santa Cruz itself is only 45 or 50,000. But um, Our credit union has been involved with the Diversity Center, which is our local LGBTQ center since its founding. And, um, you know, they're proud to say this, so I'm not divulging any secrets. They bank with us. So, um, you know, we've supported them in a variety of ways for quite some time. 
And I actually got involved. I'm, the, I'm a board member at the Diversity Center in, in Santa Cruz. And actually, I got involved because the credit union sponsored a table at their major fundraiser. And I went and I sat with another board member from the Diversity Center and they recruited me. <laughs> and there I am. So um, it shows, you know, how the involvement can go both directions. Um, but another good example, um, we have a really great program that the board came up with during COVID called Return the Favor. We've done it two years now, and it's going to be one of those things that I think will go on um, you know, as long as the credit union's around. And it's a program where the credit union puts in a sum of money, and then we choose uh, eight or ten um, nonprofits in the area. And then uh, any money that is donated to the nonprofit during that program, the credit union matches dollar for dollar. And the Diversity Center was in our group this year. And actually, they were like number three or number four as far as um, groups that were able to raise the most money for the match. So those kind of things. I know Bay Federal, one of our big billion dollar plus credit union in our neighborhood, um, you know, has always participated in Pride. The first year I was in Santa Cruz was really um, pleased to see they had a big contingent. Certainly a lot of Bay Area credit unions um, have uh, pride groups and, and that kind of thing. But I think the farther out you get into middle America, the less and less this happens. One of the things I'm amazed at when we're on our calls for the CU Pride group is we have trans individuals in, in management in Kansas and Arkansas and Montana and places that you go, really? Wow, good for you. <laughs> Things are definitely changing, but as Dan and Ari both said, you know, not fast enough and probably not as much as we'd love to see. Let's focus on that a little bit. How has Pride Month evolved from a nationwide standpoint? How do you guys think Pride Month has evolved nationally in the last few years? Dan, do you want to get us started? Yeah, um, you know, I think I think you've got some guests on here that are pretty passionate about the history of the LGBT liberation movement and pride expression throughout the decades. And it's evolved so much from where it began, really even before Stonewall in 1969, actually in California, where Ari Richard and I are located. The cafeteria riots, you know, was something that really shaped the peak of the liberation movement for LGBT and, and how pride has evolved over the last decades as we're seeing more and more inclusivity from my perspective of folks like allies, cisgender straight allies who are wanting to be a part of helping create equity, representation and inclusion of the entire LGBTQ plus spectrum. And I think that's what's really great about organizations like CU Pride and CU Shine. And when credit unions step up and say, you know what, we want to be a part of the inclusive conversation and we want to push the needle forward is participating in pride events and marching in pride parades and having pride events, going to different pride activities that there are. I mean, it once started as really kind of that riot and folks marching for peace of liberation and equity. And it's really turned into this huge celebration all over. And it, it's not just June. Where I'm at in my community, our pride celebration is in July. If one were to pull up a pride calendar from all over the globe, pride activities are all year round. It is not just one month that people say, all right, it's June. It just happened to get dubbed that way with gay marriage being legalized in 2015 and 
with Stonewall uh, anniversary being in June, it just kind of fell that way. But we do not limit ourselves to how we express and celebrate our pride. But, you know, really over the decades, I think it's evolved from being, you know, something of folks seeking that inclusion and really challenging that status quo to include individuals from our standpoint that now it's it's really a wonderful place where we see folks that bring their kids, their families uh, to participate in Drag Queen Story Hour. There are a lot of really wonderful Pride in the Park events that happen where folks come and can have a picnic with their families. So really it's kind of, for me, you know, what is Pride today? It's it's helping celebrate and gain that representation, but also destigmatizing the stigma that is out there within the community about what Pride is. Yeah, and DEI has been pushed to the forefront. It's been a priority for for organizations and communities. Can we speak a little bit about how that has pushed LGBTQ plus to the forefront a little bit? Has, has it made a difference? Ari, do you want to get us started on that? You know, I'd love to get Kate Richard to chime in here too, just from the vast difference and experience um, and just lifetime of experience really but I think that DEI has been around with certain organizations longer than others. And I think that it's unfortunate that we have to ping a murder of a, of a human being as a forefront pusher for DEI. I think that, you know, we have to talk about intersectionality when we talk about DEI, because if the Black Lives Matter movement wasn't pushing forward, the queer movement would not also be able to push forward in the way that it is. And we have to acknowledge that. Have to also acknowledge that there are queer folks who are uh, people of color um, in all categories. I'm not trying to discriminate there. I just mean that as an umbrella term um, that are doing this work and pushing it forward. And, um, you know, in the credit union space, it's a slower movement for queer folks um, because there are still today folks that don't feel included or like they belong, or that they can even say that openly who they are, who their partners are, or what their family dynamic looks like. I mean, even in the professional space, we have no idea how Florida and Texas is going to affect our employees in the credit union space and how comfortable they feel. Um, and, you know, from here, like, you know, Richard, if you want to kind of jump in and, and kind of give a little more on your perspective. Well, I think, you know, first off, I some really wise words there. Uh, you know, there are credit unions that are absolute models that anyone would want to go to work for that are leading the pack on the DEI process. It really depends, I think, on the community, the leadership of the credit union, the field of membership that they serve. Obviously, um, there are, you know, some communities are much more friendly to that. You know, one of the things that I always reflect back on, um, like I said, 47 years in the credit union world, 1970s Anchorage, Alaska, I worked for a, a really wonderful credit union, but my um, CEO was very conservative and um, I was outed by another employee and um, felt like my job was in danger. And I was really thankful for connectivity um, to some friends who had moved to California and said, hey, you know, I'm sure we can find a job down here. And Two weeks later, after asking, I arrived in Los Angeles in June of 1980, and uh, my very first weekend in Los Angeles was Pride Weekend of 1980 in, in West Hollywood, which was just a crazy experience for me. But um, going back to today, you know, as Ari mentioned, you know, there are credit unions like mine that my partner, I'm, I'm not married, but I have a long-term partner, and, um, you know, my partner has benefits from the credit union. Never thought that would happen. We have a DEI committee. 
as an example, it's Asian Heritage Month this month. Our marketing team just sent a wonderful email about all the Asian her you know, heritage issues that are going on in our community, events you could attend, websites you could look at. And every time we have some event like Cinco de Mayo, uh, all sorts of things, we go into that. We actually have Juneteenth as a holiday at our credit union. And um, so there's, you know, it depends on, well, on the credit union, depends on the area you're in. I think, you know, as Ari mentioned, um, we've got a long way to go, unfortunately, in some areas. But a lot of credit unions these days are leading the pack. I'm really pleased to see the HRD network that uh, uh, has a conference coming up, actually has a DEI um, uh, section. And I'm speaking on um, the whole process of LGBTQ inclusion um, at that conference. And so, you know, the fact that a credit union conference includes something about my community we've made progress, <laughs> that we still have a long way to go. It's most definite. And one of the basic issues, and you just spoke about this, is just the point of view. I mean, you guys are all role models and heroes to a lot of people, myself included. Um, but what's your point of view of just existing as an open and visible queer person? That takes a lot of courage. And how impactful it can be in a community just being yourself. Do you want to kind of break that down for us, Dan? I mean, you guys have an impact every day in your communities. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's an emotional one for me because I didn't realize when I was first sharing my boisterous personality with the space that I even mattered anything, right? Like, it doesn't cross your mind. Yeah, it does matter. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and it doesn't cross your mind that just existing. And I have to say, you know, Ari and I have developed a really wonderful friendship over the last couple of years. And over the last couple of years, just purely existing and being visible, I have had trans and non-binary credit union employees come to me and say, I am going to continue in this movement because you're visible, because they how they've been treated by members, by staff, that they were not felt inclusive. And just recently, I had an in-person conversation with an individual that completely shook me that I, it, again, it didn't cross my mind. Here, I'm just purely existing, wanting to just pave a way for other people like me who felt like they would never be seen in this space. And as a co-founder of CU Pride, that was my personal mission behind it is that no person in this space should ever, ever feel alone for being who they are. And we should always welcome them as they are. And it just gets me a little emotional because we have to have this representation. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Ari, please jump in here. Yeah, you know, it's difficult to break it down. You know, you're asking a lot about like how the point of view of existing, you know, as a visible queer person you know, you don't know it until someone approaches you about it. You don't know that someone is suffering in silence until they tell you about it. You know, I have, as a GAC crasher this last year, been immersed with folks coming up to me and saying, you know, using just by you using your voice in calls and speaking your truth, I've been able to make changes of myself or my organization, or or I've been able to just be able to say the words out loud in a credit union industry space that they are queer. They don't feel like they have to explain themselves. They can just be who they are in the moment. And that's because I'm just showing up. 
Um, there's someone I work with very dearly who didn't even come out at all for many, many years until recently. And, and he reached out to me. He said, I would not have had the courage to do that if you weren't visible for me and made me feel like this was a safe space for me to come out to my coworkers. And it's hard to articulate the emotion behind that, but it's so important that people just show up as they are, who they are, and not with any fear behind it. Um, and so that's kind of, for me, where that comes into play is just allowing folks to be in, in a safe place where they can at least say it to somebody, right? And um, feel okay, you know, feel safe just in that way. And, and, you know, if I can do that for someone just by showing up every day and speaking my truth and being honest about my life, I'll do that for them. And Richard, uh, yeah, uh, obviously this is something that you can really speak to. So uh, what do you have to say about this? Well, one of the things that I think all three of us share is that we're all the, I won't say the class clown, but we're always the one that has taken our um, issue and turned it into something that made us bigger than life people. You know, getting to know Dan and Ari recently, they're obviously, you know, just all this energy and all this love and all this passion about things. And I've tried to live my life that way. And I, um, especially 20, 30 years ago, I can remember young staffers coming up to me and saying, you know, you're the first person outside my group of friends I've ever said that I'm queer or that I'm gay or that I'm a lesbian or whatever. And I never thought that it would be okay at work and you seem to make it okay. And um, that made all sorts of stuff all worthwhile, especially in the old days during the AIDS crisis when everybody was living in fear and you really didn't want to talk about being gay because there was also that, you know, oh, HIV as well. I have one of the most poignant pictures of my collection of, of my life. I worked for Flying Tigers uh, Airline Credit Union back in the early 80s. And uh, Flying Tigers was an amazing company to work for. Interesting, weird cargo airline that also did passenger charters and whatever. So real interesting group of people that worked there. Large group of LGBTQ employees. And um, sadly, the first AIDS quilt piece that I ever worked on was for three friends from Flying Tigers that were early ones that passed. And I have that picture of the AIDS quilt being you know, unveiled in D.C. in 87 at the march. I was there because I wanted to be there for my friends that had passed. There were those kind of memories and those kind of things that, you know, are also part of, you know, the older experience that, um, you know, really scar you for life, but also make you committed for life that, you know, you're not going to take a step backwards. Wow. That's some story. Now, aging in the gay community is also a big issue, the one that is often overlooked by people outside of the community. You guys are, are doing it while working in the credit union industry. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Ari, do you want to get us started? Yeah. I mean, I, I came into the industry, I mean, just in my life in this kind of bridge generation is what I kind of put myself into. I'm, I'm old enough to know and have experienced a lot of hatred, especially going out in the city, doing drag, being queer, trying to be visible not really knowing who I was at the time exactly, but like, and then thinking I'm not good enough to work in a bank. I'm not good enough to work in financial industry because people think that I 
don't belong anywhere. You know, you can't be yourself at all periods. So like when you're going in, when I went into the credit union industry, they were just like, yeah, you're here to work. And if you're good at your job, we'll give you more to do. And you decide how you want to be and who you want to be. The, the folks within the industry are that work at credit unions are some of the nicest people I've ever worked with. At the same time, you don't, you know, it's difficult because the things that I've run into are not that I couldn't just say to the right people. Like I really picked and choose to, you know, I really was really picky about who I told I like what language I use. I was code switching all the time (laughs) at work. You know, I would avoid talking about the gender of my partner. I would avoid talking about if I had a partner, I would, you know, I would, I would not talk about myself in the correct gender because I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with it. I, I, um, you know, for me, as accepting as things are now, like when I came into the credit union industry, I still felt that way. And I, there was one moment where I was like, you know what, if I have to say who I am or I'm, I don't know that I, my mental health will be able to take it. And so I just stopped pretending and let people accept me or not. And that was an amazing moment for me to feel comfortable doing that. Again, in the my time in the credit union industry was kind of in this like weird bridge time where nothing was too forefront. Nothing was being pushed too far. They, they didn't, didn't support pride. They didn't support black lives matter. They didn't support, they supported very minute, like minimal things, mostly things related to our charter, right. Or our, or like the bigger parts of our community that we serve, which are really important, right. Like the military, the lumber industry, you know, the university that's in our area, but it wasn't granular for employees specifically. So that's where I'm, for me coming into this, it's, it's interesting to see the young ones, younger kids coming in and, and not knowing what to do. <laughs> I didn't know I could be a professional. Didn't know that yeah. was allowed. Yeah. And it's like, when just toss in something here, when we were talking as a group together, one of the things that really struck me is again, you know, I'm out, um, we have, you know, staff meetings and I talk about, you know, my partner and, you know, there's all sorts of, gayness in my life. I mean, you know, the diversity center, you know, stuff is, you know, regularly referred to in our corporate emails and that kind of thing. I've had young current employees come talk to me and say that they're not comfortable in being out and it doesn't have anything to do with the credit union. It has to do with their own culture. We have a, a largely young Hispanic population that is our, you know, entry level, frontline, amazing service team people. And they didn't trust their coworkers. So I talked to one young woman just recently, and I was just so sad to hear that she didn't feel like she could, you know, be her at work. Yeah. And I guess that speaks back to the previous question. What we talked about was the role model you guys serve as just being a visible queer person and the impact you can make by being yourself, how important that is. I certainly salute Dan and Ari. You know, I have been able to hide behind being a pretty regular, you know, in the 80s, I was a preppy white kid. I didn't have to deal with other issues. I, you know, didn't have another persona that I might have, you know, liked to have presented. And again, the bravery and the courage and the ability to just say, I'm going to do this is just so inspiring to me to this day. You know, as we 
continue to evolve and things changed. I mentioned to them as well. I had my first trans friend. I'm 67 years old, but I had my first trans friend thanks to moving to Santa Cruz. And um, this woman is a person of my age range and um, made her transition in her late 60s because she didn't feel that she could be who she wanted to be until this late in life. And a person with an amazing career. You know, this is somebody that, that uh, has Emmys on her shelf in her den. I was like, where did all this come from? Oh, that's from my other life. The other side of it is that it, it is an evolving situation. I think, you know, I, I jokingly refer to using the term woke as <laughs> no matter how um, with it you feel that you are, um, I think there's always another thing you can, another avenue you can explore, another set of shoes you can walk in or at least try to become familiar with whether it's the LGBTQ group or yet, you know, another immigrant community or any number of other folks that are uh, downtrodden and not always considered when decisions are made in our society. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. 